Hello, my name is Corey Frank. I'm a major airline captain and the author of Three Feet to the Left, A New Captain's Journey from Pursuit to Perspective, and you're listening to the Keystone Letters. Keystonian number nine, Red Poppies and Reagan's Postcard. To my neighbors in Pennsylvania and beyond. Today, as we move on from the story of the hill, we need to travel back in time to the early winter of 1915 in northern France. The battle for control of World War I's Western Front has stalled. Deep man-made trenches snake across the now barren landscape. Sandbags, concrete fortifications, and barbed wire stretch on for miles. Between the opposing trench lines, ripped apart tree trunks in no man's land, mixed with the carcasses of blown up tanks, trucks, and military artillery. And then, there are the dead. The inside of the trenches fare no better. Men walk single file through knee-deep water, delivering supplies to fellow soldiers. The constant moisture, cold, and filth create the perfect conditions for disease to run rampant. It's hell, only without the beneficial warmth of the fire. Then, in early May, a funny thing happens. Amidst the dreariness of the Great War's death, destruction, and desolation, hardy red poppies emerge from the soil. Their bright pops of color hint at hope and new life. When Canadian Brigade Surgeon Lieutenant Colonel John McRae noticed the poppies as he served in nearby Belgium, they inspired him to write what would become one of the world's most famous poems, In Flanders Fields. Perhaps you may recall its opening stanzas. In Flanders' fields the poppies blow, between the crosses row on row. What striking contrast those poppies must have been to the soldiers living in the trenches. All around them, they were seeing and planning for death of their enemies, their compatriots, and perhaps even themselves. And yet, there was rebirth. There was new life springing forth. Out of the darkness, there was light. Back in Kansas City, I sat at a picnic table under a crystal clear blue sky near the entrance to the National World War I Museum. President Biden finished his address regarding the bungled withdrawal from Afghanistan. I removed the buds from my ears and picked up the postcard I had purchased for my daughter Reagan. I thought about the enclosed field of poppies and what I learned in the museum, especially relating to America's role in the war. If you think back to high school history lessons, you may recall that For the first several years of World War I, America remained neutral. 
This was Europe's war. The size of the U.S. military was meager at the time. President Woodrow Wilson even ran for re-election in 1916 using the slogan, He kept us out of war. The tide of U.S. public perception started to shift after the sinking of the RMS Lusitania by the Germans in May of 1915. Then, in 1917, the British intercepted a secret telegram where Germany pledged support to Mexico in helping it reclaim territories it lost to the U.S. in the Mexican-American War. From that point on, America's hands were basically tied. The U.S. could not risk a blockade of trade from Europe and a threat on its southern border. A great example of why I say foreign policy is merely an extension of a nation's own domestic priorities. But we'll get to that in subsequent letters. Germany didn't much fear the Americans. The American military was a fraction the size of Germany's or other European powers. That miscalculation, however, stemmed from undervaluing the American resolve. The United States Congress declared war in 1917. They passed the Selective Service Act and drafted some 4 million Americans into military service. Factories at home were transformed. Women went to work at home and in military support roles. The entire nation came together to fight what they dubbed the war to end all wars. By the spring of 1918, U.S. troops were arriving in Europe's western front by the thousands, just as Germany was struggling to replenish its own forces and maintain their troops' resolve. While the Americans played a vital role in assisting the Allies in their fight against Germany, they served an even greater symbolic purpose. It was that greater symbolic purpose I needed to share with Reagan. I looked at the red poppies on the postcard and the tiny faces I saw peering over the observation deck atop Kansas City's Liberty Tower. I picked up my pen and began to write. Reagan, amidst the destruction and death of World War I, red poppies grew. To me, it's a reminder of how beauty can rise from darkness. Our job is to help be the beauty and light in our world, which, sadly, has far too much darkness. We can help change that. Love, Dad. If Reagan were older, I imagine she would ask me a very simple question in response to my postcard's message. It may be a question you are asking, too, because while the world needs America's light to shine, and while America's light can inspire courage to persist in the face of great challenges, and while America's light can serve as a beacon for others to dream about and follow, how do we let America's light shine in the first place? The answer to that question is the subject of my next few letters. It's both simple to understand in concept and extremely difficult to implement in reality, particularly since it runs so contrary to today's heated political climate. 
Yet if we have any hope of reigniting the American spirit, then we must get this right. It's the commitment we must honor as Americans. I know many of us don't seek this obligation, but I don't believe we have much choice in the matter. As a few of the closing stanzas of McRae's poem suggest, take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. This dark season for America has dragged on long enough. We can bring it to a close by letting our light shine and by leading a new way forward. I'm ready to receive the torch. I'm ready to help lead the way. Are you? In my next letter, on another day, we'll dig into how I believe America's light actually shines. Until then, I wish you well. Your neighbor, Corey. P.S. How do you believe we let America's light shine? That's the question of the week on Instagram. Leave your thoughts at at Keystone Letters. You've been listening to the Keystone Letters. I'm Corey Frank, major airline captain and author of Three Feet to the Left, a new captain's journey from pursuit to perspective. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating so others can join us on our journey to reignite the American spirit. In Flanders Fields by John McRae In Flanders Fields the poppies blow Between the crosses row on row That mark our place And in the sky the larks Still bravely singing Fly, scarce heard amid the guns below we are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields.